0: you're listening to the city church downtown podcast now here's doug robbins well good morning how are we doing today everybody doing all right <laughs> so uh before we study the bible together what do you say we pray and before we pray check this out would you be comfortable just kind of put a hand out just like this and uh that's uh, in receive mode all right and so let's go to the lord in prayer and as we go to the lord in prayer i'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud Say, God, my heart is open. My mind is open to receive from you. Pastor Doug is so handsome. But use him anyway, God, to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, so, uh, you know... Probably the most biblical prayer you prayed all week long, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it's well known that Chinese students actually uh, achieve more academically than what uh, American students do. We don't like that, but that's just true. And that was the subject of a book that was written by Lenora Chu. It's called Little Soldiers. And in this book, she describes why that is a reality. Um, In fact, Lenora Chu is actually an American. She uh, grew up and was raised by her Chinese parents here in Texas, uh, which is probably the real secret behind her brilliance. But uh, anyways, her and her husband moved along with their small child to Shanghai because she wanted to immerse her child in the Chinese culture. And the reason that she wanted to do that is because... um, the, the reason that Chinese students do better academically is not necessarily just because of what happens in the classroom, but it's because of some significant elements of Chinese culture that affects the way that they learn. And here's uh, the word that she gives is the reason for this uh, advantage. It's the word qiku. So would you guys say that word qiku with me out loud when I point to you? Ready? Chiku. ku. And what it means is, eating bitter, chiku. Okay, some dude is like, chica. What's going on? I say, it's not chica. It's like, chiku, Uh, eating bitter. And what it means is, is that you, you like are able to get through and endure those hard times of learning. So, what happens is, is in math problems, when American students work on the same math problems that Chinese students do, uh, American students get to a point of ku where the problem is hard, and they're just like, bail out on the problem and quit, whereas a Chinese student, when it gets to ku they value qiku, eating bitter, the bitter part of the math problem, and they last a little bit longer, which helps them to achieve a little bit more. See, now in America, we try and convince kids that learning is fun and education is fun. But uh, in China, they say, no, it's all about the qiku. You've got to be willing to suffer in order to really learn. And today we're starting this series, Get Through What You're Going Through, And it's really going to be a significant series where we're going to study through Paul's letters to the Thessalonians. And this series is going to be so significant for some of you is that you're going to come here and it may literally save your life because of the truths that you're going to learn from the scriptures that help you get through the Chiku seasons of life. It may also save the life of someone that you invite to come to church with you Uh, as they learn how to get through what they're going through. And I got to tell you that one of my biggest frustrations as a pastor with church people is that a lot of church people, I've seen uh, tons and tons of church people, start the Christian life but don't continue and endure in the Christian life when times of chiku come. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever known someone that they, they really started off excited about God, but they didn't continue with God. And I've watched people who come and they're these big glory stories of transformation and change. And they come to the church and they get baptized. They may be involved in a tribe or a group. They may volunteer. They may give their resources and money to kingdom causes and all kinds of things. And they're this big glory story. And then Chiku happens and they bail out on God, the very one who wants to help them get through what they're going through. So frustrating for me. Now, about a year ago, um, we did this survey here at the church, and in the survey, um, I read through all these different things that you guys are going through. And, man, did I get an earful from you guys about the things that you're having to endure, the chiku times of your lives. I mean, people dealing with depression. Uh, One of the cards said, man, why did my dad have to leave? Um, Why do I have to go through this suffering? Why did I have to get abused? Um, One person said, I've got this mental illness, and, God, you don't seem to heal it. And how long can I endure And that's why today, when you came in, you got these little magnets, and later on in the service, we're going to give you opportunity to write on a magnet in one or two words or less uh, what you're going through right now. And as an act of faith, we're going to stick them on the front of the stage and pray over them and ask God to help us get through what we're going through in this season of our lives. But um, sometimes I get overwhelmed with it because I'll read all the cards I uh, talk with people in church and hear what people are going through. And it overwhelms me. Do you ever get overwhelmed by the problems and suffering in the world? I mean, it's like you see these kids on the border that are separated from their families and you kind of, uh, uh, it hurts you. It it bothers you or you see just another celebrity suicide. It's like, who's it going to be this week, right? And that encourages people at the grassroots level to think about suicide more often. And it, it weighs on us, doesn't it? And then you go to the Bible and you come to church and you're like, well, what does this old, crusty old book have to do with the suffering that I deal with today? I mean, we live in a complex world and things were different back then. And how do they know how to tell us about how we can deal with what we're going through today? And look, I want to tell you this today is that if anybody understands how to get through suffering, it is the authors and the people in the Bible that are written to. Because not only did they have the same personal problems that we have, but many of them were going through oppression and persecution on top of just the regular problems of life. So if anybody understands the things that you're going through right now and that I deal with right now, it is the people of the Bible. Now, let me give you a little background on the Thessalonian letters, okay? Because some of you come to church and you're like, Thessalonians, what the heck is that? I mean, is this someone that lives in Europe or what? what is the deal there? Well, Thessalonica was the capital city of Macedonia in 49 AD. Paul went there and he planted a church there. If you wanna go back and read Acts 17, you can read through and see how that church got planted. And there was so much opposition to Paul. Paul. Paul being there in Thessalonica, because these religious nuts persecuted him, and the Thessalonians knew, hey, man, we've come to Christ now, and we're believing now, but if Paul stays here, they're going to jack him up. They're going to kill him, so he needs to leave, and so Paul had to flee for his life, leave uh, the Thessalonians, um, and he wanted to come back and visit them, but he got sick, and he couldn't travel, so he sent one of his protégés named Timothy back to the Thessalonians to check out and see how they are doing. He felt really bad that he couldn't stay there and help them grow in their faith and train them up and disciple them uh, in their faith because he's new believers and he's worried that they're going to make it. He was worried that they were going to just flake out, you know, when Chiku comes into their life. So he sends Timothy. Timothy goes back to the Thessalonians and he's checking them out to see if they're still legit and that they're hanging strong. And the good news is, they were hanging in there. How did they do it? They not only had the regular problems and temptations that we deal with, but they were also experiencing some persecution and some pressure. How did they stick with it? Well, the answer to that question is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Look at verse 5 and 6. It's Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and what? Love. Let's look further at verse 11. Look at 1 Thessalonians three eleven. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon and may the Lord make your, what? Love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our, what? Love for you overflows. That is the answer. How do you get through what you're going through. The way to get through what you're going through is enduring love. Now, at first, when I got that in the text, I'm like kind of rolling my eyes a little bit, and I'm like, yeah, you can say love for anything, right? I mean, everybody says, all you need is love, and it just sounds so trite. And to me, honestly, um, I'm a little skeptical of that, and I think it's, it's a little sappy sometimes when people say, oh, I just love everyone. Well, here's the thing is everybody has a different definition of love, and what is love, Right? When I drilled down and read about this enduring kind of love, it was anything but sappy. And so if you have that sappy, everybody just hold hands and sing Kumbaya and sway in the breeze like hippies together and smoke it, you know, it's like, um, uh, okay, uh, you got to erase all that. And when you come to this text, you're going to see some not jacking around, straight up truth. Kind of love, so look at the first of four characteristics of this enduring love that I 'm going to show you today. Enduring love speaks with power. It speaks with power. Look at First 1 Thessalonians 1:5. 1, For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with what? Power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe, look at this last part, the severe suffering it brought you. Now, look, some of you come to church and I've watched people come to church and they think, if I just come to church and if I start trying to get down with God and all this kind of stuff, then all my suffering's going to go away. Er, wrong. It brings chiku sometimes. It brings opposition in your life. And so if you've come to faith in Christ and you're still having challenges and problems, don't be surprised by it. It's gonna happen. And what happened here is, is that these people come to faith in Christ and the chiku comes into their life, but they still endured because the word of God came to them with power. And they had full assurance in their hearts from the Holy Spirit of God, that it was true. And sometimes, did you know that I think about bailing out on God? And that bothers some of you because some of you come to church and you think, oh, Pastor Doug, he's a pastor. When he goes home, he floats on a cloud and is ministered to by angels and all this kind of stuff. But you got to know that sometimes I get upset about stuff and I, I get frustrated by my own relationship with God and what's going on. And Um, And I just want to bail out on it sometimes and run for the hills, but I can't do that. And you know why I can't do that? Because of power. I've experienced his power and the full assurance in my heart. I have seen God protect me physically times when I knew I should have been harmed or endangered or potentially killed. There are other times I've seen God miraculously provide resources for me when I had no other way of getting those resources. But you know the biggest miracle that God has ever done, and I've told you stories of miraculous things that I've seen happen, you know, throughout the years and all that. Um, But the biggest miracle that's ever taken place in my life is when God changed my heart. When he changes a human heart. And I remember those years ago, something just changed in me. Something clicked. For me. And do you remember that time when your heart changed? Those of you that know Christ, do you remember? Perhaps it was in a service here at this church or some other church and some guy was giving a talk maybe, or uh, some person took you out to coffee or you were in some kind of a group and something changed in your heart and you realized that was the Holy Spirit that showed you that this was true. Maybe it was in an instant. For others of you, it was over a period of time. It's like uh, over time, it's like all of a sudden you, thought, you wake up one day and you're just like, it's true. That is the full assurance of the Holy Spirit with power in your heart. You know it's true. And so you say, look, I couldn't stand up and debate the great, you know, academics of the world about the reality of God. But I don't know how, but I just know for whatever reason on that, in that moment or over that period of time... Something showed me in my heart with power that it, this is true. It is the full assurance from the Holy Spirit. Well, let me show you the next uh, characteristic of this enduring love. Enduring love doesn't flatter. It doesn't flatter. Have you ever noticed that a lot of people, when they get in love, they just start the flattery? Oh, you're so beautiful. You're enchanting. Your eyes are like pools of moon water. (laughs) Okay, this is uh, uh, flattery. But look at what Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try and win you with flattery. As you well know, And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. And look, here's one of the things you need to know about the Bible is that a lot of people want ear-tickling teaching. You know what I mean by that? A lot of people want to hear teaching from the Bible that just tells us the parts of the Bible that we like to hear from the Bible to make us feel better about who we are. But Paul's not your guy. And Thessalonians is not your book. If you just want to uh, hear a bunch of ear tickling to make you feel better about who you already are. And you know, lots of people today are hypersensitive. Have you noticed this? Our our world is like like hyper sensitive, and you see it on the internet. The internet's not bad. The internet just shows us how bad we already are, doesn't it? And how how people are hypersensitive. And have you ever noticed like you can post something sometimes on your social media, and it's like you're you're like that's benign, it's no big deal, and then the haters come and they just throw down and they get crazy on you. You post, I'm having a great day. And someone says, you have no right to have a great day. You should have a sucky day because the world is going to hell in a handbasket and people are suffering everywhere. Who are you to have a good day? Because everybody's overly sensitive. Look, if you're overly sensitive, Paul's not your guy. Don't even start reading it because he's going to jack you up and you're going to cry like the whiner that you already are. (laughs) But look, spiritual investigators, uh, I I want you to understand that if you're wanting to seek God and find the real God, you don't get to go to the New Testament of the Bible like you do to the Golden Corral, which, by the way, no one should ever go to the Golden Corral. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't get to go there and just say, I'll take that part of God, and I, I like that part of God, and I'll take that part, and I like that part because you know what you do when you go around, you pick the parts of God that you want? You're basically creating a God of your own making. You follow me? Doesn't it stand to reason and logic that if God is really God, he gets to be who he wants to be and not who I want him to be? And the God that I want to create, when I create a God of my own making, that's called an idol. An idol. And it's not the real God. The real God is fiercely independent and he is who he is. He is who he will be, not who you and I try and make him to be, to fit our own feelings. See? So this, uh, what What you really need to get through your going through is not just another person to flatter you and tell you what you want to hear. What you really need to get through what you're going through is to hear the truth, and the truth is chiku, isn't it? And some of you know that. When you go to the doctor, you don't need just to hear, "Oh, you're a great person. You need to hear, you have got a tumor." And if you don't deal with tumor, you will die. See? And here's the thing about God that you have to understand about God. His end game is never to hurt you. Look. If you go to Thessalonians or any other book, books of the Bible, and it, something rubs you the wrong way, it's not because God doesn't love you and doesn't care about you. The reason that He rubs you the wrong way with some of His truth is to heal you and to love you and to bring you close. That is his heart. That is his end game and his motivation. And that's why we see number three. Look at number three. Characteristic of enduring love is it's like a parent. It's like a parent. Now, I totally get that in a room with this many people in it, there's going to be someone who's like, parent is not a good metaphor for me because you've got mom wounds, you've got dad wounds or whatever. Can you please just for a few minutes erase that? I'm not minimizing that. That is totally significant. But, For the purposes of what we're learning today in this particular text, he's talking about loving and good parents here. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. It says, or we were like a what? Mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. And so is there any love that's more pure and better than a good mother's love? I went with a friend of mine to his mother's house not too long ago, and we went in, and even though he's an adult man, she still calls him mijo, and it still melts him as she puts her arm around him, and uh, I can see his smile come as she hugs him and kisses him and uh, holds him and then feeds him, and this family kind of treats me like family. And when I left, she hugged me and kissed me on the cheek and I left with a plate of empanadas and that is a mother's love, <laughs> is it not? It is sweet, it is goodness, the empanada love, okay? <laughs> Loving it. That's the love of a mother. And she, she lets you into her life, doesn't she? And she lets you into her life. That's why Paul says here, That we didn't just like come telling you a bunch of stuff to do, but we shared our lives with you as well, and that's why we work so hard to encourage you to be a part of our tribes here is because we want you to uh, be a part of someone's life. When you let you know, when you share your life with someone, someone shares their life, they let you in. There's a big difference between people that you talk to that you just kind of know and people that let you in, you know? And people who let you in, they, don't, they, they not only just hear your problems, but they share their problems. Because uh, the, have you ever met that person that they seem way too perfect? I'm always suspicious of perfect people because I know that they got some chiku going on at some point or sometime in their life. People have good times of their lives, but if people seem too perfect, I'm always suspicious of that. It's not real. And people who let you in, they tell you and they share with you the burdens that they have in their life and they carry your burdens like a good father. Look at 1 Thessalonians uh, two eleven, And... You know that we treated each of you as a what? Father treats his own children. And there are many good fathers in this room who carry the burdens of their children and care about their children, even when their children are jacked up and hurting and all of that. And I will never forget the Barcelona Olympics in 1992 when there was this uh, British runner named uh, Derek uh, Redmond. And Derek was going to, he'd always dreamed about winning the 400-meter run, and and he was running the race of his life. I mean, the guy was a shoe-in to win that race. And he goes around the back stretch, and all of a sudden it feels like a knife is jabbed in the back of his leg, and he falls, he face plants into the track because he had torn his right hamstring. And the medical... Uh, personnel were running out onto the track to help him, but Derek is like struggling to get up just on one leg and his face is grimacing because he is determined, even though he's not going to win now, that he is going to finish that race. And then to add to the drama, some dude in a white T-shirt, like, comes down out of the stands and is running toward Derek on the track. And so the security personnel are coming up to try and stop this guy. And this guy, like, pushes the security out of the way. And he runs out there to Derek. You know who it was? It was his dad. It was his dad, Jim Redman. And Jim is holding on to his son and says, son, you don't have to do this. And Derek's like, I have to do this. And you'll see on the picture that we're about to put on screen, no doubt many of you recognize this or have seen this video or seen it used in an advertisement because this became one of the most significant moments in all of Olympic history. The crowd was just weeping, giving a standing ovation as they watched this loving dad help his son get through what he's going through and finish this particular Race and look, Derek Redmond did not win the gold medal that day, but in my opinion, he won and uh, received something far more valuable than just a trinket or a piece of metal. But he received the memory of a father who left where it was comfortable to come down onto the track and help him get through what he's going through. And that is precisely the kind of love that we want to share with each other in enduring ways to help each other get through what we're going through. And that's the kind of love that we need from brothers and sisters in Christ and also from God himself. And one of the things that you would see about Jim and Derek Redmond is Derek is still Jim Redmond's pride and joy as a son. Look at what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2.19. He says, after all, what gives us hope and joy? as church leaders, he says, is what gives us hope and joy is what will be our proud reward and crown. As we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns, it is you, yes, you are our pride and joy. And as I look out over this group, and I do know a fair number of you, and I know your stories, and I know what some of you have endured, and you are my pride and joy, can I tell you that? Someday, when I stand before God, I'll see you enter into his kingdom. I will see you receiving rewards because of the things that you've endured in this life and you continued with Christ. And I'll say, I, I am, this is my pride, this people. It's not stuff, it's not money, it's, it's people who have endured through. Some of you right now, Chiku is bitter eating is on you right now, but you're hanging in, following Christ, and you're my pride and joy. Did you know that you're someone else's pride and joy, perhaps? Some of you have come to faith in Christ, and maybe it was a pastor at some other church or a group leader or someone who invited you to church or sat you down over coffee or over a meal and shared Christ with you. Someday, when that person stands before Christ, you'll be that man or woman's pride and joy. Some of you have someone with you today that you will feel pride and joy in them. When you stand before God and you see that person that you invited to Christ, you invited to church, you'll say, that's my pride and joy, a person. Would you turn to someone next to you and tell them, you're my pride and joy? Go ahead. My pride and joy. That feels pretty good. And that is the heart of a spiritual parent, is the pride and joy in people that have endured for Christ. Now, look at the fourth characteristic of this kind of enduring love. Enduring love looks forward to the second coming. Now, when a lot of people talk about the second coming, they go, what is that going to be? It's like Armageddon, the world's going to flame up, what's going to go on? People don't look forward to it because they think that it's going to be something bad. But look at First Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 10, it says, And they speak of how you are, listen to the Thessalonians, how they are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven. Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, he is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. We all know that a reckoning is coming. But these Thessalonians were able to look forward to that second coming of Jesus. Now, some of you know uh, from reading history books and and the like that in this country some years ago, locomotives, those wood-burning locomotives, took people and goods from town to town all across this country. And one of the problems with that mode of transportation was that Out of their stacks, these little sparks would fly out, and sometimes a spark would fly out and land in the dry grass, and it would start a grass fire, and that's how many of the plains fires would start, and they would just, you know, continue for miles, burning up people's, you know, land and property and all this kind of stuff. Well, one farmer saw smoke in the distance one day, and he knew it was one of these plains fires. And he thought to himself, the wind is blowing this direction and I better be careful because, you know, I've got my barn here and I've got my wheat field here and I've got my very own home, you know, where my family lives and my cattle is roaming around out here. I need to do something. So he rounds up all the cattle, he gets them into the barn and he takes this torch and he had to light part of his own wheat field. And he had to like burn, do one of those control burns around his house and his barn so that they wouldn't, you know, be consumed. And sure enough, here comes that fire, their direction. And it burned his whole wheat field, but at least it went around his house and his barn and that was saved. So after it was all over, he was kind of bummed out because, you know, you lose your whole wheat crop and that's a big deal. And he's looking through the charred stubble on the ground. And he comes across the charred body of a hen, a chicken hen. And he figures, you know, maybe this hen just got confused when the smoke was there and didn't know where to go. Couldn't see, ran and just burned up. And then he nudged the hen's body with his foot and out came a dozen little chicks. that hen had covered those chicks and been burned so that they could run free. And that's precisely what Jesus did for you when he died on the cross those many years ago. He died to take the penalty of your sins and mine upon his body, upon himself on the cross. And he was burned so that someday when his second coming comes and the day of reckoning and judgment comes, we will have been covered so that we can run free in the kingdom of God. And if you've never begun a relationship with Christ through his cross, it's simple to do. Just in your heart and your mind, say, God, I choose to believe that Jesus' body was burned on my behalf so that I could know you, God. But another thing you have to understand is that no matter what chiku you're going through right now, no matter what bitter eating is going on in your life, if there's anyone that can understand it and get you through what you're going through, it's Jesus because he was burned on our behalf and all the sins and pain and abuse of the world was placed upon him on the cross. And so that's why if you will take your magnet out now, And think about a word or two that you might use to describe what you're going through right now. Here in just a second, we're going to stand up. And there are Sharpie markers. Some of them are just sitting on top of the stage. Some of them are in these little containers that are stuck onto the face of the stage. And you can take a Sharpie marker and just write in your own words what will remind you of what you're going through right now. And when you write that on there, just stick it on the front of the stage. Just briefly say, God By faith, I trust you with this. Don't take a long time because the numbers of people that are coming, we don't want to create too bad of a traffic jam up here. And during the week, I'm going to come in here along with our staff team and we're going to pray over every single one of these. So let's stand up together now and ask God by faith, through an act of faith, God help me get through what I'm going through. And so, Lord, that's our declaration that we're not going to be shaken in the midst of hard times. And I want to pray over these magnets here that have been brought by faith. And other people, uh, for whatever reasons, didn't weren't able to even come up here. I want to pray for them, too, because we know that your love extends and it helps us to endure. And so, Father, would you help us in that significant and mysterious and sometimes even borderline mystical way, spiritual way, that you help us to endure the times of Chiku in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing among us, and we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said amen. You guys go ahead and take a seat. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.